0: And now we come to you wanting to hear your voice and the word that you have in store for us today. Lord God, you have already prepared our hearts, Lord God. It is very evident that you're present in this place. Your grace is present in this place today, Lord God. Oh, how we wish that more people would be apart and experience your grace in this place today. But nevertheless, here we are, Lord. Here we are. Shower your presence continuously upon us, Lord God. We open our, our eyes and our heart, Lord God. And help us to walk in those ways which are pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you know anything about children, you know that though they have not been on this earth long, uh, they can be manipulative, manipulative. Well, what do I mean by this? One child I know, I'll call them my grandchild, was talking to me and my wife, and this one grandchild, will call them, said that, you know, super dad, you are the greatest super dad there is. I'm like, wow, that's uh, pretty cool. You know, you're just, you're just great. You're a lot of fun, right? You like to play with us and you know a lot. You've been a lot of places and you're just great. And then when I asked this child, why would you say this? What brought all this up? They say, well, I just said it because it's true, it's true. I'm like, are you sure you don't want anything? They're like, no, I don't want anything. I said, are you positive you don't want anything? And then they said, well, um, you know, as they continued to beat around the bush, they said that I just really want to know the next time you take a trip, if you can take me with you. I'm like, isn't that sweet? You know, uh, children can be like this, people can be like that. Oftentimes we beat around the bush, you know, uh, before we get to our point, uh, hoping that uh, the person we're trying to manipulate uh, will not understand what we're trying to do. But what if you want something, right? What if you're beating around the bush, right, and you really don't even know what you want? I mean, is it possible to inquire about a specific matter, and that thing we asked for was not really what we wanted or what we needed in the first place. (laughs) Most of us, if you are uh, folks under the sound of my voice, uh, most of uh, of you have a great sense of your needs, and you can express that need in, in various ways. We have learned Most of us. We have learned to speak up for what we want. We want something, we speak up. But sometimes our statements or our questioning may be buried. They may bury those things that are on the deep Down inside of us. So we're saying things, but they're really pushing down what's really down there. And sometimes we don't know what we want. So today we're going to look at a situation, a conversation that Nicodemus had with Jesus. A conversation I'm sure that he thought he had under control until Jesus began to speak. But once Jesus began to speak, then it started messing things up. And one thing I know for certain is that Jesus marches to the beat of a different drummer. Return with me to John chapter 3, verse 1. John, the Gospel of John, chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. In today's message, We're going to approach this encounter from uh, the standpoint of three questions that Nicodemus asked Jesus. So uh, we may be here, one verse, and then we may jump to this verse. There's a reason for that. But there's three questions that Nicodemus asked Jesus, and here they are, verse 4. Question 1, how can a man be born again? Question 2 in verse 4. How can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born again? Question 4, verse 9. How can these things be? These questions were necessary for Nicodemus to ask. Yet Jesus replies, it opens a spiritual door for him. So he may be asking one thing, but Jesus was trying to open another door. And Jesus will also open a door for us. But the question is will we walk through? People use flattery in conversation to gain access. So uh, they use flattery for a specific uh, purpose. So beginning in verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. for No one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. So we see here that Nicodemus, he approaches Jesus. This begins by... Our introduction, our first time introduction to this guy, and if you recall, Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and this is great importance in the conversation because understanding who a Pharisee is, it sets the stage for great conflict in the Gospels later on. So, if being a Pharisee is a Pharisee set the stage for conflict later on, we must understand the environment or the situation from which Nicodemus comes out of. These Pharisees, they were known, they were a well-known group of men. Here it is. They had religious concern for their community. Religious concern specifically for their Israeli community. They were concerned about the Romanization or the secularization of their nation, that nation that was birthed out of the heart of God, that nation who was not a people became a people because God reached down and selected them. But this concern of the Pharisees, that sometimes it resulted in Unhealthy and unspiritual activities. But you get this that as much as they wanted their people to be close to God, their religious activities oftentimes drove people away from God. How is that possible? How is that possible that you're trying to bring people together and point to God, and in the end, they end up further away from God than they were in the beginning? So if you had left them alone, they probably would have been, had more of a relationship with the Lord in the first place. <laughs> Nicodemus addresses Jesus. Fascinating. Uh, again, remember, uh, the Pharisees, they were the spiritual elite of the day. And they're the ones that have gone to seminary. They're the ones that had known everything there was to know about Scripture, right? And they knew all of this. And when anyone would come into the picture who said that they came from God, you know who showed up? It was the Pharisees. They wanted to know what you were teaching in the name of God. Uh, They wanted to examine you to see if it was true. Uh, Let's let's look at uh, John chapter 1. John chapter 1, as an example. Verse 19. It says, And this is the testimony of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He says, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of the one one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah has said. Verse 24, Now they had been sent from... Ah, they had been sent from the Pharisees. The question in our minds then, I wonder if Nicodemus then was sent by the Pharisees to Jesus. So Nicodemus, he addresses Jesus as rabbi and then calls him a teacher. This was nice. It was nice because It was not combative in tone. Remember uh, the Pharisees, how uh, they oftentimes became very aggressive, uh, very uh, uh, combative in uh, their tone because they're trying to examine a person to see if they're really of the Hebrew faith. (coughs) So, he was being polite to Jesus. And you know, everyone who's being nice to you They may not be nice to you for the right reasons. Sometimes folks are being nice to you because they have other motives. So you have to be careful. Jesus understood this. But Nicodemus, he did not have a full comprehension of who Jesus was. Somehow he thought Jesus was some average guy just doing some really, really good things. There are other people from other religious traditions While they don't subscribe uh, to Jesus being the Messiah or Jesus being God, uh, they believe him to be a nice guy and a great moral teacher, which is why you will oftentimes find uh, Jesus mentioned in some of their writings. But isn't it fascinating? You don't find their writings mentioned in our scripture. (laughs) Fascinating. How do you see Jesus? Do you see him as a nice guy? who does good things, or do you see Jesus as God? Our understanding of this not only affects how we worship, but also how we live as his representatives to see if we're really and truly Christian. You see, there are plenty of teachers and even plenty of good guys in the world. Many of these folks have lots to offer in terms of Uh, Our fixation on the temporary nature of this life. The one that we live in the flesh. So uh, do we see Jesus to be different from everyone else in this world? Nicodemus says that Jesus, you come from God. This is fascinating here. Now, uh, back here in in chapter 3, it says here again, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. Everyone sees that, right? right? We see that. But listen what the original language says. right? The original language says it like this. Rabbi, we know that from God you are. Rabbi, we know that from God you are. So it doesn't say that uh, we know that you are a teacher come from God. And you, you see what they do and what you can do in, in the Greek language when you want to emphasize something, you'll take that which you want to emphasize and you'll throw it to the front of the sentence. So he's saying, from God. You know that you are. Right? Showing this special emphasis. So whether uh, he was being duplicitous or being truthful, uh, there was a feeling among the Pharisees that uh, Jesus was different from others. So Jesus, he responds to Nicodemus. And you know, God's response to us sometimes, sometimes it feels as if he have not heard a word that we said. Sometimes God's response to us, it sometimes feels as if he hasn't heard a word that we said. What do you mean by that? You you know know what I'm talking about. Oh God, I need money to pay this bill tomorrow. No money shows up. Oh God, I need to be healed like right now I'm in a lot of trouble. Uh, We're not healed right now. Oh God, I've been praying for a year for this to happen and it doesn't happen. Uh, Hello God, do you even hear me? But you also know what I mean uh, asking someone else a question. You ask them a question. It's like they can't hear a word that you're saying. It's like you're talking to a wall. It feels as if they're not listening. And then you shake them, and they say, yeah, yeah, I'm listening to you, but you know deep down inside they're not listening to you. But why should God, our relationship with the Lord, feel the same way? Pouring out our hearts left and right, only to be ignored by Him or not given exactly what we want or all the timing that we believe is not right. It just doesn't make sense. And then there are folks who, you really don't have a relationship with God, right? But you pray to God. And your condition to God is this. I'm going to pray to you And if you answer all of my prayers, then I will consider coming to you in faith. In other words, you want God to prove Himself first. You see, Jesus replied to Nicodemus. The reason I say this is because it doesn't seem to answer Nicodemus's issue. Right? Remember, Nicodemus says that you are a teacher and that you come from God and you have done great things, great signs. And then Jesus answers here in John 3 and 3. He says, truly, truly, there it is, amen, amen, right? The original language, amen, amen. And so it is and so it is. So truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What? What? Jesus, where did you? Where were you? Were you out in space somewhere? I'm asking you a question, uh, telling you, complimenting you about what a greater teacher. Or teach me something. Open up a new avenue. But Jesus says, "Truly, truly, amen, 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 amen." I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot or she cannot see the kingdom of God. What does this respond has to do with Nicodemus's statement? Jesus respond to Nicodemus to what he was saying by immediately switching the topic? Jesus knew Nicodemus. He knew he was there for more important things than what his initial words were suggesting. This makes sense because, after all, Nicodemus had gone to Jesus in the cover of, of night. Why? Why nighttime? Do you think that Nicodemus would travel all the way wherever he came from to see Jesus at night time to tell him, Oh, you're a great teacher, right? Uh, Rabbi, you've done great things. Everybody knows that. Why would you come all the way at nighttime to tell me this? So Jesus uh, being God, and if Jesus is God, this means that he's also omniscient. That means he knows everything, so therefore he knew that there was some, some spiritual deficit in the heart of Nicodemus that he needed to respond to. So Jesus was not responding to his statement. Jesus was responding to his heart. Jesus was not responding to the words that was coming out of his mouth, but he's responding to his very heart. But the truth is, Nicodemus was, was religiously curious, and his statements don't seem to indicate that, but he was religiously curious. He went to Jesus because he needed something. Again, it's nighttime. Why would you go to Jesus at night? Uh, you don't need to wait for nighttime to give him a compliment. Uh, the bottom line the bottom line is he wanted more. Do you want more from God? Do you really want more for God, or are you going to wait to get home? Or are you going to wait for nighttime to talk to Jesus? When Jesus says, tell me now. Most people, and I say most people, most people don't come to church for nothing, I hope. And if you came to church for nothing, I pray that Jesus will answer your nothing with something. He will give you today something that you did not expect. And so Jesus' response to Nicodemus was, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Again, look at this. Nicodemus' statements to Jesus again verse 2 Rabbi, we know he doesn't even say I know he says we know uh, collectively uh, the people that I am a part of we know that you are a teacher come from God for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him Jesus turns around and tells Nicodemus that even though all of you all say that I am a teacher come from God want to tell you something Jesus he dismisses the generalities and speaks directly to Nicodemus why because even though uh, Nicodemus says we know that you are uh, Jesus says truly truly I say to you so you coming around here beating around the bush Talking about we know and and us and all this other stuff. But I want to tell you singular right now that unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. So Jesus says this here in verse 3. And then Nicodemus, he responds to Jesus with two questions. But these two questions are really one. Here's the first, uh, verse 4. Nicodemus said to him, this is Jesus, how can a man be born again when he is old? In other words, Nicodemus was saying that what Jesus was proposing that is totally illogical. What God wants to do, it doesn't make sense. Have you ever thought what Jesus, what the Bible wants of you and what is asking of you that it makes no sense at all? I mean, when scripture tells you to be morally good and upright in our dealings with the church uh, at home or in our job, uh, does it always make sense? I tell you, it makes no sense sometimes when we are up against a tidal wave of unrighteous people, uh, uh, unrighteous people and systems that reward corruption. It makes no sense at all when scripture tells us not to be impartial when everyone around us gets what they want because they are being partial. Makes no sense, God. So, what Jesus said to Nicodemus doesn't make sense. It's not logical. Why would you say something important to me that's supposed to be significant? And you say something that cannot even happen in the first place? Talking about be born again? How can a man be born again when he's old? Uh, I'm old. I'm already out of the womb. How can I be born again? See, once a tree grows out of the ground, it can never start over and grow again. Not that same tree. Once the sky pours out its snow, it can't unsnow. And start over from scratch. It can't reverse its course and go back into the sky and undo everything that has already been done and start from brand new. And what Nicodemus was asking is this, how is it possible to reverse the irreversible? What Jesus proposes it doesn't fit the norm of human history. Second part of John 3 verse 4. But can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? This question alone could be enough to knock some people's ideas right out of the conversation. Right? Have you ever been in a conversation with someone and then they ask you, you thought you were doing really good, and they ask you that one question, it just like throws you totally off and you don't even have an answer. It's happened to me before many times. Demus, he says, can a man enter a second time? Can a woman enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born? And we know the answer to that question. The answer to that question is no. However, if you're going to have a spiritual conversation with Jesus, it needs to start by asking the right question. We must ask the right question. So Nicodemus thought that he had Jesus cornered by saying if what he says is true then how can it be possible given the limits of a person's physical capabilities? That paradigm about life we are aware of and the ones that have existed since the beginning of time have been the norm. And No one has undone birth. You can't undo you. You can't reverse you. I know some of us wish we can't. I know some of us wish we can't. At least say, well, I don't want to... Uh, undo my birth, but what I want to do is I want to erase this portion of my life. If I can erase this portion of my life then maybe I'll be good to go. No one has been able to buck this trend except God who created Adam from the things that he had already created and then giving him life by blowing his breath into his nostrils. But we often try to qualify faith in Jesus Christ by comparing God's kingdom to something we're already familiar with. On the one hand, this can be helpful for our understanding because uh, there would be nothing else to compare it with. But on the other hand, when we do this, one or two things happen. Here they are. Number one, the thing we compare kingdom activity with falls short of its mark because God's kingdom is vast and unending. Or two, we elevate the illustration far beyond what it should be, therefore minimizing the work of God and minimizing the work of His kingdom. So this places us in an impossible situation when the Spirit has not shed lights into our hearts. Any thought, illustration, analogy, or opinion which has not been vetted and improved by the Spirit is marked and rejected by God. Even when we grasp for straws, trying to grab hold of at least one legitimate thought, one thing that's good, that's coming out of our mouth, it will ultimately get us nothing because the Spirit's work is deliberate, yet unknowable when he is not behind it. It's deliberate, but it's unknowable when God is not behind it. So Jesus, he doubles down on truth, because a life was at stake. Here are verses 5 and 8, John 3. Jesus answered. And by the way, even though our text says answered, uh, the, the word is really like responded in the original language. So Jesus answered, or he responded. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again, verse 8. Uh, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. What? We know the whole story, but what, Jesus? Jesus? So Jesus wants us to understand the necessity of being born again. So to understand this, we must come to the idea, the comprehension about our own birth. Two things here. Number one, concerning our birth that we are not and were not responsible for the timing of our birth. We were not responsible for the timing of our birth. Again, Uh, The original language tells us that, uh, that being born again, that it is a result of another one's action upon us. So being born again is not because of all what you did, but all what you have allowed to happen to you. This is true of human birth, and also true of the birth which comes from above, or being born again. In human birth, the baby doesn't produce the contractions. Did you know that? Hopefully I got that right. But it is the body of the mother. I've never had a baby before, so therefore I can only speculate and read what someone else has told me, right? Uh, So, But uh, the body of the mother, it is that which says that it is time to get this little person out of me. The body says, you have been in here for nine months, and now it's time to vacate the premises. You got to go. So there is an environment of birth which the baby finds itself a part of, but one in which all the activities occurs on the baby. The second thing is true of our birth is we're not responsible for its condition or its creation. If we were really honest with ourselves for all practical purposes of common sense, right? And here it is. It could be possible that your parents may not be your parents. It could be possible that those folks who say that they're your parents are not your parents. Well, Why would you go and say something like that, especially with our kids up in here? Why would you say, you know, something like that? Well, we don't know who we were attached to when we came out, do you? How many of you remember the day and the moment you were born? Right? We come out, we're there, and later someone tells you, that's your mommy, that's your daddy. Right? We take it by faith. Right? The parent definitely knows, right? That was the baby came out of me, and sometimes even that. I know that's my baby, but this baby that's been in here with me for the last two days uh, is not looking like me all of a sudden. (laughs) Nurse, would you take a second look? I know they got my name. Baby so-and-so on their leg or arm or whatever it is, but they ain't looking like us, right? I know we all brown and dark, but they're as light as light can be, right? And it look like they're going to speak with a Spanish accent or something like that. And I'm not speaking like that. We don't speak like, what's going on here, nurse? So we take it by faith. Jesus says, verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit, what Jesus is saying is that you cannot put shackles on the sovereign work of God. The wind blows, or the spirit blows, right? The same word here. But the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from. So it is with everyone who is born of of the spirit. It is a supernatural work of God. So you can't pin it down with trying to say that Nicodemus, how can these things be? You can't pin it down by saying, uh, can you enter a second time into your mother's womb and be born again? You can't pin down the work of God that way. Everyone who is born of the Spirit, born again, born from above, or sees the kingdom of God have an existence which is now relationally connected with the Lord through His sovereign activity which cannot be seen. So Jesus says that indeed to be born again, It is an acceptance of your sinfulness and us allowing for God and his work to come upon us. It is a new life which can only be given through the acceptance of God's grace by faith. It's fascinating that we accept our natural birth by faith The fact that we belong to who? We belong to this guy and this lady. Why not our spiritual birth? Why not the fact that God says that I will allow you to be born again and when you are born again, you are born into a new family. You accept that by faith. But only accepting the word of another person that they're telling you that you belong to you. Is that enough? And God's word is not good enough for you? So God says that uh, if we are born again, He says you will see the kingdom of God. God says that uh, if you are born from above, same words, right? Born again, born from above, He says that you will have eternal life. Uh, So the curiosity of Nicodemus led to questions of impossibility, that the question of impossibility is answered by the possible God whom we serve. So never think that God can do something that can't be done because nothing is too hard for God. So our spiritual curiosity is a quest for truth. And is only found in Christ who imparts it eternally to us. And He gives it freely to anyone who has a real desire and a real passion to know. Let's pray.